Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Following a 24 16 loss to the Baltimore Ravens in London. Tennessee Titans have an open date in their schedule that gives the players time to rest and to recover. Arguably, no one needs it more than quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who is an injured ankle for the third time in about a year now. Coaches and personnel people, on the other hand, have time to think. Titans are two and four, last place in the division. Not exactly looking like uh, Super Bowl contenders at this point, and the trade deadline is two weeks away. You've got some big names in the final years of their contracts, guys who would probably be intriguing to other teams who have more legitimate playoff hopes right now. So uh, as we get into this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast, we will uh, we will ponder what uh, – what the Titans should be thinking about during this time and uh, and going forward as they uh, as they come out of this open date in their schedule, with the usual lineup: former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you? I'm doing good this evening, David. How you doing? I am doing great. I, of course, am David Beauclair, and we also have John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? Thank you, guys. Are Doing great, doing great. Okay, well let's uh, uh, let's get uh, let's get right to it. At, at, at two and four, trade deadlines out there. You, you've you've got you've got these guys who are who would you know fetch you something certainly in the trade market. Uh, Denard Walker, should the Titans be thinking about uh, unloading some people, collecting some draft capital, and? Uh, and just looking to the future at this point. No, no, because the season is not over, David. They're two and four. Let's not forget since 2000, there's been 11 teams that started off two and four and they ended up making the playoffs. So the season's not over with. And really, when you look at this team, David, it's more self-inflicted more than anything that they have to correct. Uh, when you look at this team, look at the special teams play Sunday. Uh, it was poor. You're talking about what? There were six points off of special teams alone. It could have been 18 to 16. They had a personal foul, which ended up leading to a touchdown by Jeffrey shoving Odell Beckham. He knows better than that. So a lot of what this team is doing, they're hurting themselves. And that's something that Coach Rabel can correct. So until they correct that, you're going to see more of this. But I will say this, David. Let me get this out. If you're going to make a trade, you better start at the offensive line right now. This unit has given up, what, 23 sacks through six games this season. We know that Baltimore coming into this game, they are stingy on defense. They had 18. They ended up now they're 24. They lead the league or tied with Buffalo. So, again, if you're going to make a move, you better make sure it's at the offensive line first. John Glennon, do you agree? Titans should uh, uh, sh- should stick with it, see what uh, see what they can grind out here for a little while, or uh... – or is it time to, to cut bait and just think about the future? 
got bait here, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, you you could make a case as Denard did that that you know that that it, there's reasons for for you know keeping the team whole right now. Uh, you know, but I I don't think there's enough of a case. Uh, um, you know, not in my opinion. Uh, you know, some other factors. You know, I I think if if there were a number of Titans that were injured right now, and you could say, okay, well, when all these guys get back, hey, this Titans team is going to be much better. There, there aren't a lot, you know, uh, Draylon Burks will, will come back and will certainly help, but I don't think that's a huge, uh, you know, single-handed difference maker in, on, on the team. Uh, you, you could also say, you know, hey, that's, you know, six weeks into the season, uh, you know, the Titans are only two games out of first place and they've still got five division games left. Definitely true as well. Uh, and you're in the AFC South, uh, you know, so, so you're, seems like you're always in a, in a po- potential playoff situation. But uh, to me, I, I think it's like, look, let's be honest here. Even if this team was somehow to, to kind of turn things around a little bit uh, and even, you know, qualify for a playoff spot somehow, you know, look look at the, the, the contending teams right now in the AFC. You're looking at, you know, Bills, Dolphins, uh, Ravens, Browns, Chiefs, and the, the Bengals. I, I just don't see the, the, the Titans competing uh, with these teams right now. I, I don't like what I've seen for the most part somehow or so far in the, in the first six games. I look down the line, and as you talked about, you've got a number of guys in their in their last year of the contract, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, Danico Autry, uh, Christian Fulton, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, Kevin Byard, names that could get you some draft capital, and this team needs draft capital. Right now, this is what they have in the 2024 draft. A first, a second, a fourth, uh, and and either two or three seventh round picks, but uh, depending on uh, who you believe at, at this point. But that's not much, and this is a team that that needs, you know, uh, a lot of work into the future. And and if you're looking at those guys with one year left on their contract and saying they're not part of the future, and this team isn't very good with them right now, I say I say it's time to to cut bait and, and make some moves if you can. You know, you're not going to get five first-round picks out of, out of moving some of these guys or whatever. But, you know, if you can get a few more draft picks, that's a few more opportunities to, to score and, and build for the uh, and build for the future. Yeah, two, two things that, uh, that I think are, are really important to note for me. One of them is, you know, Rand Carthen, the general manager, did not put this roster together. He inherited a big part of this roster. So he, he doesn't have any deep affinity for a lot of these guys and then number two you look at the you look at the 2020 and 2021 draft classes which guys that are in their third and fourth year that should be your prime in the nfl for the vast majority of guys you're getting virtually nothing from those two draft classes of of the six draft picks you had in 2020 the only guy on the team Who's the only guy who's still on the team at this point is Christian Fulton, who you know we we talked about it at length last week is is really struggling this point. You got absolutely nothing out of first round pick Isaiah Wilson. You got basically nothing out of third round pick Darrington Evans. Uh, and you know you go to twenty twenty one, where Caleb Farley, your first round pick, you know, has given you 
virtually nothing to this point. Your second round pick, Dylan Radens, has given you a little more than nothing, but but not much. Monty Rice and, and Elijah Molden, third round picks have had their moments, as has fourth round pick Rashad Weaver. None of those guys, though, are starters and established pieces of this team. I, I mean, you at, at some point, at some point you're going to, you know, you you need the draft to pay off. Like no one's going to hit on all of their draft picks, but that is, that is way too many misses for, uh, for any one team to absorb at that point. And you think about, you know, John, when you talk about the, the relatively small number of, of draft picks the Titans have, they're getting nothing in terms of compensatory picks you know, based off what's going to happen this year, you know, you're not going to add that way. You're, you're probably not going to add based on what you lose from the 2021 draft. So, so if you're going to, if you're going to build through the draft, if you're going to try and, and redo this thing, you, you're going to have to collect draft picks some other ways and, uh, and, and trading, uh, you know, trading guys at, at the deadline, which is becoming more popular in the NFL in, in recent seasons, seems like the way to go. And to your point, Denard, I mean, I, I know it's, uh, you know, players and coaches certainly aren't having these discussions. They certainly aren't wired to think that way. They are, uh, you know, they are wired to think that, okay, We've got a week off. We've got a time. We've got time here to rest and get healthy. And then we've got a game against the Atlanta Falcons that, that we have to go win. But, uh, but, but I also think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the only one who's seen this, but I doubt this. Like, I feel like I want to play poker with Mike Vrabel because he does not do a good job of hiding his emotions. And, and a couple times this season already and, and Sunday in London was an example of that. Like, he just looked like he knew the Titans didn't have any answers in that game to the things that were going wrong. You know, you compare that to 2020 and 2021, for example, where, you know, you could see it like he felt like even when things were going wrong, they were going to find a way. I mean, the the look of dismay on his face right now, I, I think in his heart of hearts, he, he sort of, he sort of understands the, uh, the, the shortcomings of this team and uh and and knows that the chances of them actually putting this thing together and and making a run are are, are slim to none and people will point out they'll say well you know this team was two and four in 2019 and, and look what happened that year they ended up in the playoffs and in the conference championship game and everything else the big thing though was at, at, at two and four they made a change at quarterback that's when they went from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill, and that had a huge effect. Um, if anybody sees any move they could possibly make that would have a similar effect this year, feel free to speak up because I sure don't see it. I was going to say also, David, when we talked about uh, Mike Brabel, I, I agree with you just on some of the shots that the camera had of him in the in the game against the Ravens. You, you wish there was like the little thought bubble. Yeah. You could read the thought bubble coming out because – some of the look in, in his eyes was just not not particularly happy. But even some of the comments that that he had made, you know, one after the game, uh, he was asked, you know, uh, are are all the you know are these problems correctable, or are some of them you know some of the problems with your team not correctable? And boy, that's a knee jerk reaction response for a coach to say, well, of course they're correctable. You know, we get in bed, we get back to practice, we do this, we do that. Uh, and Mike Brable's response was kind of, he said, you know, uh, you know, maybe not, it was sort of like, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like, maybe not, probably not. Uh, and, and then he went into something else. And that, that was an eye opener. And then, 
just this uh, on uh, on Monday after he got back, he was asked, you know, if he would consider uh, moving, uh, you know, some assets in order to to get draft picks down the line. And again, normally the knee jerk response, I, I would think for a coach is no, we've got all we need on this team. You know, there's no reason to to do that kind of thing. And and he said, uh, I think we'd always try to consider strengthening the team, whether that's right now, this week, or in the future. So absolutely. Uh, again, when when he is saying those kind of things, uh, instead of kind of the, the normal coaching response of everything is, is fine, everything, we can correct everything, that, that to me, I don't know, it certainly opens the door to, to you know, some, some wheeling and, and dealing as we get closer to the deadline. Denard, how how deep does does a player have to go into the season before he's willing to admit to himself, you know what, maybe we're not good enough? Because you know, you you said it. The the thinking you're thinking as you view this is, look, you're two and four. You have eleven games left in this season. That's a long way to go. That's a lot of games to potentially win. Um, you, you know, your 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 focus is going to be on beating the Atlanta Falcons right now. Uh, you know, at, at what point, how bad does it have to get before players will, you know, kind of talk amongst themselves in the locker room and just start saying, you know, we're not very good this year. That happens at the later part of the season when you know you have no chance in making the playoffs. Uh, a true consummate pro and a team that's full of pro play. Every team has professional football players, but they don't have a pro-like mentality. And that's the job of your captains is when the morale of your your team is is shaking a little bit, especially the first part of the season. You need your leaders to step up and say, listen, we are better than this. That's why you have Kevin Byard. That's why you have Ryan Tannehill. That's why you have players like Traylon Burks. And you think about D-Hop, you add him to the mix. You had Jeffrey Simmons. You just paid him a, a load of money. But when you start talking about giving up now, especially if you're the coach, if the coach calls it, it calls it quits, then yeah, you're in trouble. And I've seen, and I've been a part of a locker room like that, David. And it was like that in uh, Las Vegas for me uh, when I, well, excuse me, when I was in Oakland. And I tell you what, North Turner did, some of the players took a shot. But right now, what this team have to do, David, if you look at this game Sunday, they allowed, what was it, uh, Justin Tucker? has six field goals, yeah. okay? And you, when you look at this team offensively, how many times were they in the red zone? It was about four or five times I counted. Yeah. And they come away with, what, six points, six or nine points. I don't know how I stopped counting. Yeah, when the, they, the red team, zone was the story of that the game. Red, the the red zone yeah. has been the Achilles heel for this offense. And, and, and David, correct me. If I'm wrong, but wasn't this the best red zone offense last year in the league? Oh, if, if you look over the last, say, four or five years, it's been the number one. Been the number uh, one red team. zone offensive yeah. team. They're not clicking right now. And if you think about the play calling, when you when your bread and butter is uh, the wildcat, then there's something wrong. And that's really where you're generating a lot of your momentum or you're getting a lot of yards. But when you think about it, and I go back to plays, plays kind of dictate the course of the game. You remember the third and two? Uh, Tim Kelly calls a um, – he calls a pass play, the interception uh, play by Geno. And what happened was I'm thinking at third and two, you got the best running back in the league and you're going to call a pass on a third down and two? I mean, that's some of that you have to question. That's offensive – that's the offensive coordinators. 
And I'm just looking at this team right now. They're in disarray. That's the problem. This is a good football team. What they're doing is they're hurting themselves. We're not even, we haven't even talked about special teams. I mean, we haven't even, that hasn't even been an issue because of the play of Nick Foe. But when you look at this team's special teams, Baltimore was able to capitalize six points by a muff punt by Kyle Phillips. And then you're talking about the DuVernay punt return. David, that's demoralizing to a team. And that's what happened to the defense. It's like they got tired out of, of all the mistakes that was going on with the rest of the units. Yeah, but they, but they, I mean, give the defense credit for no credit. standing their ground and forcing field goals all that's day. It. Right? I mean, that's, uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I mentioned last week that Tim Kelly does not have a particularly good history of red zone success as an offensive coordinator. And Todd Downing, who was, you know, who became a whipping boy for most of the fans the, uh, the last couple of seasons. Titans had the number five red zone offense in 2021 and the number six red zone offense in 2022, to your point, Denard, with, uh, with Todd Downing calling the play. So, you know, Tim Kelly might want to go find Todd Downing's playbook, at least get the, uh, the red zone package out of there and, and see what, see what he can find because, because uh, if nothing else, it, it seems like Todd Downing was, was better in, in that regard. Um, while we're talking about the offense, that that's going to be a big question, big topic of conversation for the next week or so. Because as mentioned, Ryan Tannehill did not finish the game in London. Uh, another another ankle injury. It's it's been reported that it's a that it's a high ankle sprain, and uh, as we all know, the high ankle sprains are are a little tougher than your run of the mill ankle sprain to to come back from. You know, Ryan Tannehill's a guy who who wants to be out on the field, wants to do everything he can to be out on the field but uh john glennon this is this is the question everybody's asking if it's not ryan Tannehill against the atlanta falcons is it malik willis or is it will levis and why i had to put a dollar on it right now uh i'm gonna say it would be uh will levis um and uh you know i i, I think you know, you can certainly make a case uh, for giving Malik Willis a chance at being a starter. You know, we, we saw him come in at the end of the game against the Ravens, you know, a small sample size in a tough situation. Uh, you know, he had, had some ups and, and downs. Uh, to me, the, the the most disappointing thing was, was kind of that still the one nagging issue that, that, that keeps, uh, you know, tugging at him is that hesitation in the pocket. Uh, you know, he, he had, he had just 12 dropbacks. He had four sacks and three scrambles. He only managed to get the ball out five times and 12 dropbacks. Ryan Tannehill was facing that same Ravens rush, you know, throughout the game, 18 dropbacks. He got 16 passes off. You know, he, he, he was sacked twice. And, and you look at the time throwing the ball also Malik, 3.55 seconds to get that ball off. Ryan Tannehill was at 2.42. So that's the the one issue that that you know keeps nagging at at Malik Willis that uh, you know he hasn't got a, a real good uh, hold on yet. So uh, again, all the, all that to say, I I think Malik Willis would be better, you know, if if given a week leading up, uh, you know, to say, hey, Malik, you're going to be our starter. You take first team reps this week. Uh, you know, here's the game plan. Uh, you know, I, I think we'd see a better Malik Willis. But 
at, at this point, I, I just don't know if if the Titans see enough in Malik Willis, um, you know, to to give him that shot, you know, and and consider the fact too that the the Titans have basically, you know, sort of voted against Malik Willis as a starter twice in in, in two different ways, you know, last year. Obviously, they, they picked up Josh Dobbs instead of, uh, you know, starting Malik Willis towards the end of the season, uh, um, you know, and and uh, 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 again, in the offseason, instead of sticking with Malik Willis as a potential start of the future, they drafted Will Levis, too. The new GM did that. So I, I don't know. I just have a feeling um, that uh, it, it might be Will Levis time that they might be ready to give him a look. Uh, that they they might feel like okay we've seen what Malik Willis has done, um, you know let's let's see our uh, see what our rookie the guy we just took our new general manager just took and drafted up uh, or traded up rather to to get him in the draft we want to get a look at him so that's that's my guess at this point. Yeah, Denard, if uh, if you're Mike Rabel and you have to make this decision, which which way are you going? Man, that's tough. Oh, man, do you say we're going to give, you know, Will a chance to showcase his skill or are we going to go with the young man that we drafted last year real high and we've been high on him? I like Malik. I I really do. I thought when he got in there in the fourth quarter Sunday, I thought he did a great job. Again, he's he's not quick to run like last year. We saw him kind of sit in the pocket a little bit, and then he used that athleticism. And that's what you love about Malik is his athleticism. You saw where he was able to elude uh, that pass rush from Baltimore, get out, escape. Unfortunately, had a man on the edge. I loved the little first when he first came in, did a little zone read. He rolled out and it thought a beautiful out route. So I saw a lot of improvement with Malik. I just think Malik gives you a different dimension because of his, his feet. He's, he's just great uh, with his legs. But again, I hope we don't have to come to that because <laughs> both of these guys are unpolished. And right now they're both young. So if you're Atlanta, yeah, you hoping to see one of them, but I sure hope mine is back. And thank Thank goodness that uh, they got a bye week this week. Yeah, and and it, and it should be noted that Mike Rabel did say unequivocally, if Ryan Tannehill is healthy, Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback. He, he, you know, trades or or not, this is you know this this is not a move that the that the Titans are are considering right now. But but I think in, in terms of Levis against Willis, this I agree with you, John. This was a decision that was made months ago. Because uh, the it just in drafting Levis alone, it, it it basically said you know it was it was a reaffirmation that the Titans didn't trust Malik Willis as a starter. the the only The only way I think you could you could go with Malik Willis is to sort of run counter to the coaching that you've given him to this point, with which is to say, if given the issues on the offensive line. Malik, your athleticism, your escapability, your ability to run gives us gives us some hope back there. So, you know, you do it. If you feel even the slightest bit of pressure, take off and run and 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 do those sorts of things. Don't stand in the pocket and uh, and, and wait for the rush to get to you, even though we have told you stay in the pocket, keep your eyes downfield, those sorts of things. But, you you know, you look at the seven quarterbacks drafted, in 2022 of which uh of which Willis of course was one of them all of them have started 
at least a couple of games uh, in the NFL to this point, including the likes of Bailey Zappi and, and Skylar Thompson. Uh, obviously, the uh, uh, you know the best of the bunch is Brock Purdy. Kenny Pickett has had his moments in Pittsburgh, but but uh, you know Malik Willis's sack rate is seventeen and a half percent. This you know piling on to what John was saying with him holding the ball too long. Sam Howell in Washington's the only other one of that group who's above ten at uh, at thirteen point seven. You know Willis's interception rate is four point five, which is the highest of that group. He, uh, you know, he, he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass to this, you know, in, in a regular season game at this point. And he, he, you know, he just, he just hasn't measured up to even that group, which was not a sterling quarterback group. And, uh, and, and I just don't, you know, I, I, when, when you were willing to take Josh Dobbs off the street last December for two games where you're trying to get in the playoffs, it just shows, how little, uh, how little they trust this guy right now, and, uh, and and you know maybe maybe Malik Willis will get it one day and will be uh, you know will be a terrific quarterback in this league, but I just I just don't see it. I don't think the Titans see it right now, and uh, and this is uh, you know the, I I don't think if if there's a decision to be made, I I really don't think there's any choice. I think it's uh, I think it's Will Levis and and. Uh, and you see what you got in him because uh, because he's probably the guy that they look at as Ryan Tannehill's replacement next year. Um, while we're talking about replacements, there were some moves made in the Baltimore game where, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. Nicholas Petit-Frere did not start at left tackle, but eventually went in the game, replaced Andre Dillard, who was struggling again. Christian Fulton, once again at cornerback, was was having some issues. Trey Avery went in the game for him for at, at a time and uh, and came back out. Fulton then finished the game, but uh, um, this this extra this this week with no game, uh, Denarda. Do you look at those as as precursors to actual lineup changes going forward? I mean, can is it conceivable that that an undrafted rookie in 2022 could be starting ahead of 2020 second round pick Christian Fulton next time the Titans step on the field? It could happen, but let me just say what I like is, and we talked about this last last week, as I alluded to, kind of sitting him down to just kind of settle him down. And that's what coaches will do. But what I love with Chris Harris and Mike Vrabel, when they got together, I'm pretty sure they discussed that. uh, What are we going to do with Christian is the fact that, yeah, they sat him down for a while, but you saw them put him back in the game. That's what you want, because what you do not want to do is when you, when you bench a guy, what happens is you can lose a guy and he can also lose his confidence for the season. So what happens if Trey Avery or somebody get banged up and you got to bring that player back in? You don't want some guy that's thinking, okay, why I need to, I'm depleted right now. And that's what you don't want. David, let me just kind of give you a quick overview. That happened uh, in Denver when I was there with Delta O'Neill. Prior to, uh, in 2000, he, uh, 2001, he made the Pro Bowl. Come back the next year, Mike Shanahan benched him. And what happened 
was defensive back coach David Gibbs and Ron Miles came to me and they said, Denard, how would you feel, uh, even though we're going to bench Delta, we're going to start Tyrone Poole, but what we would like to do is every other series, we want to bring Delta back in so we don't lose his confidence. We want him to keep going. I thought it was an amazing idea. And so when you watched our secondary, sometimes you would watch me do a couple series and I'm out, Delta's in. The reason that you do that is you don't want to lose that player. And I thought Sunday – uh, he didn't play bad, okay, when he was in the game. Let's just be honest. He wasn't getting turned around Sunday, so that's a good thing. So what you don't want to do, David and John, you don't want to lose him at this point uh, of the season. He's, a, You know he's talented. If he wasn't talented, they wouldn't have drafted him that high. So once again, I thought it was a great move. It, it just – I've been – that happened to me in the Super Bowl. They sat me down for a while, settled down, you know, regroup, and what happens is, is you get a chance to kind of see – uh, other p- players play and you kind of you kind of learn from others and I think that was a great job what Chris Harris and Mike Vrabel did in implementing him back into the game plan Sunday. John Glennon we, we'll go to the left tackle spot then with you Nicholas Petit Frere I recall you talking about last week didn't play the spot a ton in college is, is it conceivable he could be a, a starting left tackle in uh in in week what it would be week eight of his second year in the in the NFL and or and should he be at this point? I think it's looking more and more that way. Yeah, he actually you know he played both tackle spots in college and actually his his last year at Ohio State he he was more left tackle than than anything else. So that you know it wasn't that far in his past. Uh, so it wasn't I don't think as radical uh, a switch. You know, even though he played right tackle his rookie year, the, the entire season, 16 games out of 17, um, you know, I, I, I think maybe a little bit of that memory, you know, it was still uh, was still there for, for Nicholas Petit Frere. That said, neither of those guys, uh, you know, Diller's primary issue all year has been path protection. Uh, you know, he's been okay in the run game, uh, and neither Dillard nor Petit Frere were, were good in, in pass pro. The, the numbers, uh, Dillard, 24 snaps. He allowed four pressures, a sack, two hits, and a hurry. His PFF grade, 34.3 overall. Uh, Nicholas petit Frere did not did not top that. Uh, he had 32 snaps, four pressures, two sacks, two hurries, and a 32.2 overall uh, offensive grade. So not a, not a good one for either, but I do think I think we're going to see Petit Frere going forward, and and one of the reasons I say that um, is because of uh, what what Mike Vrabel said on um, uh, on Monday when he was kind of asked uh, to assess Nicholas Petit Frere, and and one of the things he said was uh, he was into. He said I like the fact that uh, you know Nick was into it, that he acted like he wanted to be out there, acted like he loved it, was pushing the piles, jumping over the piles. Uh, you know, driving, uh, diving uh, around and, and doing sort of those things that, that are needed to squeeze out extra yards. And to me, you know, David, we talked earlier about Mike Brable. You know, you, you can you can kind of read him a little bit. You could almost, in my my opinion, what he was saying about Nicholas Petit Frere, about doing those kind of things, you could almost hear him saying, we have not been getting that from Andre Dillard. And that's kind of the one thing that everybody has been trying to figure out about Andre Dillard. When, when you talk to him, you don't necessarily get a sense of that kind of that burning fire competitive edge. And not everyone gives that uh, off and, and, you know, doesn't mean they're a bad player, 
but that that's kind of the one question mark I think a lot of people have, uh, at least in their dealings with Andre Dillard, is 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 that you know is that real is that competitive fire always there? And that, and when Mike Vrabel said those things about Nicholas Petit Frere, I, I, you know, to me he was almost saying we don't see that from from Andre Dillard. So I suspect that we'll see Nicholas Petit Frere there going forward for at least the short term. And I think we probably also have to cut him a little bit of slack. Like I said, the numbers weren't weren't very good. But A, that was his first game of the year, obviously, after the suspension. And B, as we talked about, two, first time on the NFL level playing left tackle. You know, he hadn't done that since uh, since last year in college. So kind of hard to imagine putting, you know, Dillard, you signed him to a three-year, $29 million deal. And maybe he's out of a starting job going into week seven. But, you know, I, I, I think that's the way that it's going to go right now. Yeah, three three years, twenty nine million dollars looks uh, looks like a a bad investment at this point. Of course, uh, you know the Titans will be able to to cut him next year, presumably if that's what they decide they need to do. And uh, you wonder if this is a time also, as we've discussed, do you maybe slide? Peter Skaronsky out there to the tackle position and, uh, and and see if you you know maybe put Raidens back in at left guard and that you know that gives you a little more beef and athleticism that way uh, you know may, maybe that's maybe that's something to to come but uh, certainly that you know there's going to be a lot of discussion in the coaches' offices about uh, about the offensive line and, and the issues there as uh, as we wrap this thing up I I just I can't let this thing pass without noting, in case people have missed it early this week, the Philadelphia Eagles have signed Julio Jones to their practice squad with the intention to put him on the active roster by the end of the week. It is the uh, the Julio Jones, A.J. Brown show part two. Um, it, it's two years down the road. Denard, do, do you think things will work out better for Julio in Philadelphia than they uh, than they did with tight with the Titans? Is is this going to be the pairing that AJ Brown dreamed of when uh, when he was here and was so excited when the Titans traded for him a couple of years ago? No. <laughs> <laughs> if it didn't happen in Tennessee, it won't happen in Philly because they already have two studs already in front of him. So that's probably just an insurance policy right there. And I'd be, you know, I'd be, I wonder how many reps is he going to get in the game? I mean, if you look at that receiving core, David, they're, they're good. That is yeah. a unit right there. I mean, they, they do have an injury to Quez Watkins and, uh, you know, it, it sounds really nice. Julio Jones is your number three wide receiver behind AJ and, and Devontae Smith. And, you know, he, he, you know, maybe he only plays 20 snaps a game or whatever, but I, you know, you just, you just wonder if Julio has has anything left in the tank at this point, you know. And and, and good for him. I, I mean, I give I applaud any player who can play as long as he wants to play. Like uh, you know, most most guys will tell you the game is done with you before you're done with the game. Uh, Julio's clearly not done, and uh, uh, you know he goes to a good team going to take another shot at a Super Bowl here uh, like he tried to do last year with Tampa. We'll see how it works out for him. John, you you have any reason to think we're going to see any flashes of the old Julio? Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was very interesting. In fact, today I, I read one of the, the comments uh, that he had. Um, you know, I guess he had his introductory day with the media today and 
And somebody asked him, uh, you know, uh, hey, you know, what do you think a guy your age and so forth has has left? And uh, Julio's response was, have left. He said, just keep watching and I'll show you. He said, we'll revisit this question. And I immediately went back to, uh, you know, the, the first day that he met with the, with the Titans media, uh, or maybe it was his first practice. And uh, he was asked that similar question and, and he sort of gave it one of those stay tuned. I yeah. think were the, were the, was the two word response he had there. And we all stayed tuned, but uh, we, we didn't ever see the old uh, Julio there. We didn't really see much of it when he was with Tampa Bay, you know, for, for a stretch uh, last year, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, again, if, if he's in a fourth receiver role or something like that, Hey, that's, that's not a bad thing. He's not going to wear out his hamstring too bad, but I, I just think right now there, there's too much wear and tear and, We've uh, we're we're not going to see any any magic. I don't think necessarily from Julio Jones. Yeah, they, I guess I guess that's right. The expectations for him there will be much more reasonable than than they were for his one season here. But uh, um, that's uh, that's just, that's just going to be fun watching. If if it works out, AJ Brown I think will be the happiest guy on earth. But uh, but AJ has been pretty happy anyway, seem, seemingly since he uh, since he left Tennessee. Um, we will be back next week and, uh, and, and try and put a happier spin on things as we look forward to the Falcons game. Uh, until then, Denard Walker, as always, thank you, sir. Thank you, David. John Glennon, thank you. Okay, thank you, guys. And thank you all for listening to Believe in Titans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.